This is a great reminder as we get to our sermon for today of uh, why we gather and, and why we praise and you know why we have this unfailing trust and joy in God is, is there's always, always, always Jesus and he's, he's here for us no matter what and uh, it just brings us to this, this heart, this lifestyle of gratitude that just, just fuels our lives as Christians. It becomes one of those identifying factors of who we are that we're grateful in, in all things. And we're going to talk more about that uh, in the message today. But, uh, you know, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. Uh, and, and typically we do that the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving and have a Thanksgiving uh, message. Uh, but we have so many who are interested in baptism at this point that uh, we had to kind of push the Thanksgiving message up to this week. Because uh, the next week is going to be very, very short uh, with, with the amount of people we have uh, getting baptized. So I want to just talk about that today. Uh, we, we spoke about baptism last week and uh, what that means theologically. And, and, um, and today I want to talk more about what that means here. Uh, so if you're thinking about baptism, I, I highly encourage you to keep thinking and praying about that. And if you're, if you're wondering more about kind of our stance on things, just re, rewatch the message from last week, and there's a lot more on that. But basically here, it's for anyone who professes uh, faith in Christ. Anyone who is a Christian, who views Jesus as the uh, forgiveness of all sins, as the Son of God. If you're there uh, in your faith, then you're ready to be baptized. And so we don't view any kind of classes or membership or anything necessary. Anyone who professes faith uh, can and should be baptized, and there's joy in that obedience. Uh, so what that means here is we have our baptism service. We're going to be doing it right here in our baptismal. If you're new and wondering what this big square box is, underneath that is a baptismal, with heated water even. And, uh, and so we'll be doing that this next Sunday right here in the sanctuary. And uh, we don't practice uh, where, where you're required to give any kind of testimony or public speech before baptism. Uh, but we do encourage that. We highly encourage that if it's something you're interested in. But if this is just like a you know, firm, nope, never going to talk in public, uh, we don't want that to hold you back from being baptized. Uh, but then we just do that right here in the baptism where there is a, a full immersion. And you come up and it's just a wonderful moment. If you're one who has a fear of immersion in water, talk to me. Because uh, we can accommodate that. And we're not going to be really legalistic about that. But it happens right here during the service. It's a, it's a wonderful moment of encouragement and joy for uh, the whole community. And then as uh, Steph said, we'll have a meal right after the service too. So think about st- uh, sticking around for that. So if you're interested, if you're thinking about it, uh, talk with me. Talk with another staff person. Uh, if you're in the home with your parents, talk to your parents. Because uh, we do think this is a, a team effort. And parents are the primary disciple makers. Make sure that your parents are on board with you. Um, and then and then talk to me about getting on that list for next week. Um, I also wanted to give you a, a really awesome update of our Reach 200 goal that we've been working on throughout the year. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about sharing the gospel with 200 people as a community. And, and as of this morning, with some recent submissions, we're at 161, uh, which means we're really close. And, and this, of course, is just of those who have either submitted the online form or have talked to me or another staff uh, person uh, personally. Uh, so this is what we, what we know about. But as I've been saying throughout the years, when we get these submissions and these stories, there's just some amazing and encouraging things that are happening and stuff we want to celebrate as a community, as, as people walk in obedience to share the gospel uh, with, uh, with their friends or their family or their coworkers or whoever it might be. 
So uh, one submission we got in, in uh, late August was from Natalie Davison with an awesome story of how she shared Christ at her workplace. So I'm going to invite her up uh, to share that with you this morning. Good morning. So as an emergency nurse, I have the honor and joy of caring for people on what is typically one of the worst days of their life. This allows me um, to hopefully show them the love of Jesus as I care for them. This past summer, I had a patient who was escorted by her daughter who came to the ED in meth withdrawal and suicidal ideation with a plan. After my patient saw medical and mental health professionals and her symptoms were controlled, I sat down with her. I asked if there was anything else I could do, and she said, yes, read my card. She handed me a small driver's license-sized card that she kept in her wallet. It read something along the lines of, Today I live because I am loved by those around me. I asked her, what does this phrase mean to you? She said, even though I know I got myself into this mess, I know my family is still there for me and that life is still worth living. I need to remove toxic people from my life who are not supportive of my sobriety. I then proceeded to ask, what gives you hope? She then replied through tears, my family, and knowing that they haven't given up on me and that they believe in me, and I haven't given up on me either. I reassured her that I personally, along with everyone in the hospital, had not given up on her as well, and that we believed in her too. I then said, and you know who else has not given up on you? Jesus Christ. I explained the freedom that the gospel holds and the love God displayed by sending his son to die for us. And as I was speaking, my patient and her daughter were nodding in agreement and spoke understanding words with tears in their eyes. Eventually, my patient became medically clear, and I was able to find her a spot in a detox center where she could get individualized help for her situation. As I was discharging her, with tears in her eyes, she thanked me and gave me a hug. No, I don't know her full story. I don't know if I was planting, watering, or pruning a seed. But if anything, it was a reminder to me that even when all hope seems lost, it isn't. Amen. Thank you for that. That's just one of the many stories that I got to read and, and have joy in. And, and so thank you for sharing that with us uh, today. But I just want to ask you one question. Because uh, it took a little bit of courage to do what you did, uh, where you're at. But what, what kind of advice would you give to the rest of us of, of maybe how to broach those topics or, or, or share the, the gospel in situations like that? So having kind of some go-to, like, non-invasive, open-ended questions, I think, is a really good idea. So, um, like, what is your hope? Is there anything you place your hope in? Stuff like that. Someone, they're always going to have some sort of an answer. And then it also is a really good um, natural segue for you to then share your story in the gospel, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And um, thank, thank you so much for sharing today, Natalie. And I encourage all of you to, to take advantage of those opportunities that, that God gives you. And I heard um, someone say, you know, when they, when they shared the gospel with um, someone at a lumber mill, uh, they started with a question, uh, can I share something with you that's personal to me? And, of course, the person said yes, and they went on to share the gospel. And and uh, so many of us are, are taking advantage of those opportunities God gives. And sometimes it's just, as she said, sharing or maybe asking that question and, and broaching the topic. And, and you'd be surprised how open most people are to hearing the gospel and, and to talk about faith and talk about God. So I encourage you. Um, we just have 39 left to meet our goal. Now, again, this goal is just an arbitrary number we picked. It's, it's something if we meet it, great. If we don't, great. 161 people heard the gospel. And that's amazing. We want to pray for that and pray for them. Um, you know, one of the benefits of being the only pastor here today, uh, both Phil and, and Chris are out of town, is I can, I can just say things. So Phil will shave his head if we meet this goal. 
Now, he didn't, he didn't agree to that. He never said that, but I'm saying that right now, but don't hold him to it. Uh, no, but the, 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 the incentive here is just walking in obedience. God wants us to be people who share Christ, who share the gospel, and to be his ambassadors around this world. And, and, and as, as we've gone through this and I've heard the stories, the reward is in the sharing. And then so many of you have just just had that joy to do that. So encourage you to do that. And then again, we can't count them unless we know. And maybe you've shared Christ this year and you haven't let anyone know. Uh, you can just fill it out anonymously online. You don't have to share your name. You don't have to share the story. It could just be as simple as just checking the box. And that's between you and the Lord. And, and then we know that there's one more we can count towards this. Or talk with me or talk with a, a staff member. And we'd love to uh, just celebrate celebrate this together. So... Uh, but we don't want, we want to get into our sermon today of, of this lifestyle of gratitude and just showing thanks for, for everything in our lives as we're entering the season, this reminder of Thanksgiving. We want to make this a regular part of, of who we are as Christians. And, and so in that vein, uh, with yesterday being uh, Veterans Day, I'm not going to make anyone stand up or make themselves known, but you all know uh, who are the veterans among us, and, and, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you for serving and for that sacrifice that you give, you've given there, yeah. So a, a day yesterday, as you remember that, we just want to remember all of all of you among us here. Thank you for for all of your service with that. But as we talk about gratitude today, I, I mentioned it earlier that this really is kind of a a key component of a Christian. This is kind of a key identifier of, of who really knows Jesus and who doesn't, is that you live with this constant sense of, of gratitude and thankfulness in your life. And G.K. Chesterton wrote that gratitude is the chief virtue of every Christian. And so if you're struggling with gratitude or thankfulness in your life, it's, it's possible, prob- probable, that you're, you're also struggling with your faith in a sense. And, and the deeper you grow in faith and the knowledge of God, the deeper you naturally grow in gratitude. And so for us, I don't want Thanksgiving, thankfulness to be something we do one time a year before we carve the turkey. Uh, it should be something we do every day. It should be something uh, just woven to the fabric of who we are. And so we're going to be reading uh, three pretty quick and direct verses out of First Thessalonians 5. Uh, I spoke through First Thessalonians about two years ago. And I came to these three verses and spent about like two minutes on them in the sermon I was in because it's part of a bigger thing. And since then, I've really wanted to focus on this more because these, these simple commands are actually quite profound and they affect every part of how you live. And, and it really helps you kind of become the Christian, become the person that God wants you to be. And so I'll just read these verses out loud. As they're going to be up on the screen throughout the sermon as well, I encourage you to, to open up in your Bible. But First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're one uh, that that likes memorizing verses but has a tough time, these are three you can memorize. And I have a goal that all of us are going to walk out of here today with these verses memorized. And if we do that, Pastor Chris will shave his head. I'm just, he didn't say that either. Don't hold him to it. But we're going to go one verse at a time 
And start with a really easy verse to memorize. Rejoice always. So close your eyes. Don't look at the screen. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Rejoice always. Hey, you got one Bible verse memorized already today. This is one of those things that's easy to memorize, but incredibly difficult to live out. We think about this as rejoice always. And to rejoice is really just to exhibit or express the joy that's living inside of you. And you do that when? Always. Always. This is the kind of verse that we want to put an exception after or a condition. Rejoice always, except when life is hard. Except when life is painful. Except when... Something super serious happens. This is written without exceptions that the Christian is to rejoice always. That's very difficult to do. But there's three important reminders that we have to think about when it comes to joy as we, as we read throughout the Bible. And the first is that joy is a gift. Okay, True joy does not come from us does not come from our positive attitudes or our, our perseverance. True joy comes only from the Lord. And joy is a fruit or a gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the moment you, you start in, in joy is the moment you put your faith in Jesus. That there's joy in our salvation. Joy is a gift, first and foremost. The second thing we have to remember is that joy is also a choice. We have to choose to accept that gift of God and and live with it through any circumstance. That's why it's written in James chapter 1, the verse a lot of us have memorized, is that we can consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. That's kind of our part in it, is that we consider it joy. We have to choose joy. The third and the most important part of joy to to know how we can rejoice always is to know that joy is not dependent on circumstance. Happiness is dependent on circumstance. Happiness is, is a state of mind. But joy is a state of your heart. Joy is not circumstantial. And to understand how this works, we have to, to know the difference between joy and happiness. It's, it's very probable and likely to be happy as you're joyful. But you don't have to be happy to be joyful. And so we struggle with this as Christians because we replace this command of rejoice always with always be happy. And, and we, we get this idea that you need to just stuff down any bit of sadness or frustration, stuff down all the negative things and just smile through the pain, and then you'll be joyful. That's not how it works, because if that's your philosophy, is to pretend that everything is fine and smile through the pain, then we become a bunch of Christians that look like this. <laughs> that's not a joyful face. And I I don't know who this kid is and what the circumstances are, but I assume that he's probably being held by a stranger and mom and dad are saying, smile for the camera. 
But that's what we do sometimes when we offer each other advice as Christians is just, just smile through the pain. Everything's okay. Just be happy. But that's not rejoicing. Rejoicing is, is, is the idea that you might be going through something incredibly difficult. There might be a lot of sadness and grief. There might be a lot of confusion in whatever you're going through. And it's okay to feel all of those things. But joy is this choice to say that, but no matter what I'm facing, I have Jesus. I have Christ. I have eternal life through him, and and nothing can take that away. Joy is not a control of what you would classify as negative emotions. It's okay to be sad and to be grieved or to be exhausted. Joy is not being totally oblivious to your circumstances, but it's also not being governed by them as well. Joy is knowing that God is bigger than anything you're going through. And you have this hope and this trust and this peace through it all that only God can give. Rejoice through any situation. Rejoice always. Our next short, compact, but incredibly difficult verse is verse 17. Pray continually, or some of your translations may say praise without ceasing. But I probably chose the NIV just because if we're working on memory, we're going to keep it short here today. All right, so let's say verse 17 together. Pray continuously. You got two verses memorized, and so Chris is getting closer to being bald next week. Again, he never said that. Pray continuously. Now, nothing is more important to the development of a believer than prayer. All right, if you want to be a strong believer, it means you need to be strong in prayer. And here it says to pray continually or without season. And this, this, verse, this word in the, in the Greek, continuous, really invokes this idea of this, this attacking army or an incessant cough. So pray like an attacking army or pray like an incessant cough. You get this idea that this army might be coming and trying to break down a barrier, and and if they're not successful in the first attempt, then another wave is coming. And if they're not successful, then another wave is coming. right? And it's just continuous, one after another, or like an incessant cough. If you've got a tickle in your throat, as I do this morning, uh, when you cough, you just cough. You can't help it. It's just this involuntary, automatic act. And that's what our prayer life should be like is that it just, it just kind of happens no matter what we're facing. And this is written uh, to, to really a mixed audience, but also, you know, definitely some Jewish culture here. And in this culture, prayer was very systematic and organized for the most part. It happened in specific places at specific times and for specific reasons. But for the Christian, prayer is, is just something you, you just kind of always do. So if you are nervous about something, you pray. If you're thankful about something, you you pray. If there's something that that you're asking God about, you pray and you pray and you pray. And you keep going and going and praying anytime, anywhere, about anything and everything. Prayer becomes this relational aspect between you and God. And you're not bothering God. 
God asks us to do this, to bring all things to him, big or small, to express your need or to express your gratitude to God. And and I just pray for anyone, or I'd speak to anyone now who, who has kind of that unanswered prayer in their life, something you've been asking God about over and over and over again. Don't give up. Keep praying about it. And maybe you're asking God the wrong question of like, God, I, I want this. Why, why haven't you given me this? And, and maybe through prayer you realize the question should be, God, do you want this? Is this right for me? Is this in your will? But as you pray and you sort these things out, you, you understand that prayer isn't about getting what you want from God and changing his mind. Prayer is about changing your heart and understanding God and his will for your life. Prayer is not a transactional thing. It is a relational thing. And if you want to grow in your gratitude as a Christian, that means being in prayer about all things. So let's just say those first two verses again without looking. Rejoice always. Pray continually. All right, now we move on to the third verse. This is a little bit longer. I know, but we'll memorize this by the end. The first part of uh, verse 18 is to give thanks in all circumstances. This is another one we like to insert the uh, except when blank after it. Give thanks in all circumstances. And at first, this almost seems unusual as a Christian. He's like, really, God, you want me to give thanks that I got in a car accident yesterday? Like, you want me to give thanks that that the, the test came back in a, in a poor way at the doctor's office? Like, you want me to give thanks for that? And this is not giving thanks for all circumstances, but giving thanks in all circumstances. And there's a gigantic difference between the two. Because, again, it, it's okay to be sad about certain situations. It's okay to be grieved and confused. But through all of that, and this is where we start to see thankfulness or gratitude as a discipline, there's always something to be thankful for, even in the most tragic and difficult moments of life. This is something that God desires for you, as we see in the next part of this verse. This is God's will for you. God God wants you to be more thankful and grateful because it's for your good. It makes you into a healthier person, a better person, a better Christian, if you can give thanks in all circumstances. And it's easy to give thanks when things are easy. But can you be thankful when things are hard? And if so, there's, there's a lot of benefit for that. And here's where we see um, modern science and medicine kind of catching up to what God said like 2,000 years ago. Psychology Today published an article in 2017 around this time of the year about the positive effects that thankfulness and gratitude can have in people's lives. And it found that, that those who regularly express their gratitude have improved psychological health. That gratitude can reduce a multitude of toxic emotions from envy to resentment to frustration and even regret. And those who regularly express gratitude in their lives are less likely to be clinically diagnosed with things like anxiety and depression. 
Okay, being grateful, giving thanks improves the health of your mind. It also found that grateful people will sleep better and that those who would write in a gratitude journal even just five minutes before bed that just jot down a few grateful sentiments will on average sleep better and longer. Gratitude improves your physical health and even increases your life expectancy. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains. They have a lower blood pressure, which leads to less chance of heart disease. And they also have a stronger drive in life and are more likely to exercise or take care of their other health needs. That was written in 2017. This was written 2,000 years before that. God's telling you to be thankful in all circumstances because it's, it's his will for you. It's what he wants in your life, and his will is for your good. And what we see through this is that being thankful or being grateful is, is not something that comes automatically. It doesn't say be thankful in all circumstances. It's to give thanks, to actively pursue thankfulness. It's something you have to work for. So if you want to be a spiritually healthy Christian, you need to be disciplined in thankfulness and gratitude. And it takes some work and effort. Now, I would love to be in better shape and stronger, but I can't just lift a three-pound barbell once on each arm and expect myself to be healthy the rest of my life. It's a consistent discipline that you must do. And, and none of us can be physically healthy if we eat junk food all day and lay around on the couch. And so there's things we have to look out for spiritually. This is kind of like I made a list of of just kind of the spiritual junk food, if you will, the things that, that eat away at our, our, our spiritual health, the five common gratitude killers. And this is, this is my list. It's not comprehensive, but all of it is, is biblically supported. And the first thing that can kill your spiritual health or kill your gratitude is comparison. And this, this is hard for all of us. We always are looking at those around us and, and seeing what we don't have, but they have. And a general rule of life that I've found is, is true for going to be all for all of us is that someone is always going to have it better than you in something. Someone will always have it better than you. No matter how successful or how much you have, someone will be more successful or have more. And it's Teddy Roosevelt who said that comparison is the thief of joy. Mark Twain said it stronger that that comparison is the death of joy. And the Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, that those who measure themselves by one another and compare themselves by one another are not wise. It's just not wise to do that. We've never lived in a day and age where it's, it's more simple and easy to compare yourself to others, like through social media. And we're still learning the effects this has on people. But those who, you know, there's a lot of positives to social media. But if you're involved heavily in social media, there's a lot of negatives as well. And, and people are more likely to develop anxiety and depression. But you're always seeing the best and you're always seeing the worst of others. And you're comparing your life against them. But God's given you what he's given you. And even though you feel like you're lacking, you have plenty to be thankful for. And I looked for it for a while. I searched, and I couldn't find it. A uh, long time ago, I saw a cartoon panel 
of this guy in a wheelchair in a park with his family eating a meal. And he sees this man walking down a sidewalk and you see the thought bubble above his head saying, I wish I could walk. And the man walking down the path is seeing this man with his family as a thought bubble above his saying, head saying, I wish I had a family. We do that through comparison. We see all the things that we don't have that we, we forget to see what we do have. In every situation, every circumstance, there's something to be thankful for. But if you let comparison live in you too long, it moves on to a more toxic thing, which is envy and jealousy. And this is really saying, like, I deserve what they have. I deserve it. And envy, jealousy are actually just early forms of hatred. And if you let this live inside of you for long enough, it can drive you to do terrible things. Cain murdered Abel because of jealousy. David murdered Uriah, the the husband of Bathsheba, because of envy. And this goes on. It lives like cancer in your soul, jealousy and envy. It, It affects every part of you. Proverbs 14 says it this way, that a heart at peace, and the word peace there really means contentment, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. This will rot you from the inside out. James 3 says it even more clearly that if you harbor bitter envy in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth because such, quote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If you're struggling with envy and jealousy, that's not something from God. It's something from Satan himself. So don't focus on what you don't have or what others have. Focus on what you do have and show your gratitude. Another form of this is discontentment. And this is kind of a a variation of the first two, except it's completely within yourself. It's just wanting what you don't have. and, And we all play this game that if we just had blank, I would truly be happy. I would truly be content if I just had blank. And the reality is that that all you need for contentment is Jesus. That's all you need. And he's given you everything you need right now. If you can't be content right now with what you have, you're not going to be content later when you get what you don't have. Contentment, wherever you are as a Christian, is, is a sign of spiritual health. And in 1 Timothy 6, and this is towards the end of the book when he's talking about many in the world who are, who are greedy and chasing after these personal things at the expense of others. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we can be content with that. You can always have more. Everyone here can have more. But if you're not content now, you're not going to be content then. It's just a sliding scale where enough is never enough. Find contentment where you are, and then be grateful. There's another variation of that, not just wanting what you don't have, but feeling entitlement is is saying, I deserve this. I deserve what I don't have. And entitlement is a terrible 
terrible quality to have as a Christian. Because if you understand the gospel and you understand what Jesus did for you, you are thankful that you don't get what you deserve. All right, Being a Christian is, is, is knowing that you're not getting what you deserve. So if you develop the sense of entitlement, of I deserve these things, it's a skewed picture of reality. Romans 12, 3 says this, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. As a Christian, when you, when you know the depths of God's love and what he's done for you and his faithfulness to you, you understand that everything in your life is a gift of grace. Everything, the air you breathe right now, is, is a gift of grace. God's given you enough to be thankful. And the last one is, is one that we all struggle with this. All right, We all do. It's complaining. And I think this has just been part of the human condition for centuries, for millennia, is that we're just we're good at complaining. It's this idea of, like, even if I have it, it's not good enough. And we're not talking about, like, optimism, pessimism, like glass half full, glass half empty. It's, it's the type of person where you get the glass of water, and it's like, that's the wrong kind of cup. And I, I wanted three ice cubes, not four ice cubes, and there's way too much iron in this water, right? You, you just, you find something wrong with everything, and, and everyone complains at times, but, but the Bible talks a lot about complaining. And this is really talking about like the habitual complainers and, and those who, who really will find something to complain about. Um, it's not good. It's not good what the Bible says about complaining. And just to be clear, complaining is a discipline as much as gratitude is a discipline. All right? If you're looking for something to be thankful for, you'll be grateful. If you're looking for something to complain about, you'll find it. You will always, always find it. And the more you practice either of those disciplines, the better you get at it. All right? So if you're one that's practicing the discipline of grumbling or complaining, you're going to get really good at it. It's not only going to affect you, but it affects the people around you. And when you read through Exodus and Numbers, you see this, this group of people who had just been led out of Egypt, like we sang about this morning. Right? And, and God had answered their prayers. They're, they're given freedom. He'd been leading them. Uh, the Pharaoh's army was defeated. He led them uh, over the Red Sea. And there's a pillar of fire and smoke leading them day by day. And, and they're getting manna rained down from heaven. And God is so obviously with them and working for them. But they're all kind of like, this bread is kind of dry. It's just, you know, when are we going to get there? We've been, this has been, we saw this place already. And this, this Moses guy, seriously, I, I know, but he just, he's not hearing us. Let's just like start our own group. And, and when you read through that, Exodus and Numbers especially, God doesn't have a ton of patience for it. Right? There's, there's like groups of hundreds of people that are literally just swallowed up into the earth. He, he lets like poisonous snakes go in camp. There's a whole generation that, that died in the desert because of their complaints against God. It, it's something that we have to take very seriously. And if you're one that's prone to complain about everything, it's, it's a serious spiritual condition. And if you're complaining about everything, it means you're working at it. You're working at it. 
Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. Then you will be innocent and without any wrong. You will be God's children without fault. Do you want to be God's children without fault? Without any mistakes? Then don't complain and don't argue. But the worst part is, is the more you do it, as I said, the better you get at it. And then you, you miss out on all of God's blessings around you. And frankly, you don't become very fun to be around. But when you, when you express gratitude, it, it makes you into a spiritually healthy person. When you, when you give thanks in, in all circumstances, you, you become strong, you become full of joy and contentment. But nothing will turn you into a more bitter and selfish and dissatisfied person than continually being ungrateful. Work towards the discipline of thanksgiving as a Christian. And as we see in, in this last verse, why? Because it's God's will for you. It's, it's what God wants for you. And Steph had talked about the group of students that, that went to this apologetics conference, and it's exciting to see so many of them wanting to be, to be poor into the scriptures. And, and, and I got the chance to speak in, in uh, the youth group the other week, and it was exciting. And I got to worship with them, and, and, and there's so many of them that are just excited. And, and they're asking themselves the questions right now in this stage of life, what's God's will for me? And by that, they, they usually means like, what college should I go to? What job should I do? Who should I marry? Should I get married? Where should I live? How big should my house be? And, and we've all been conditioned to think throughout life that like that's, that's what God's will means, is like what we do. That's certainly part of it. So maybe there's someone here today that's, that's 20 years, 30 years past that's saying, like, I missed out on doing God's will. I should have done the missions program. I should have gone to seminary. I should have done whatever, and it's too late. Consistently throughout the Bible, doing God's will is, is, is not about doing things. It's about the condition of your heart and your mind and your soul. And in this case, God's will for anyone in Christ Jesus is to give thanks in all circumstances, to pray continually, and to rejoice always. If you want to live in God's will, then then do that. And that's the starting point. And as you do that, you're, you're going to be a better version of yourself. You're going to unlock God's full potential for your life. And so here's some, some helpful tips for giving thanks in every circumstance. Regularly thank God in prayer. Like when you pray, and I pray all of us do this regularly, pray continually. When you do that, just, just take a moment to think and reflect and express your gratitude to God through thanksgiving. Just for little things. God, thank you for this air. Thank you for this dry piece of bread that I'd be starving without. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. And when you find yourself coming to the place of stewing and grumbling and complaining about things, especially if it's come out of your mouth, stop yourself and then replace it with three things you're grateful for. Just undo the discipline, like redirect your focus. When you, when you complain about something, stop 
and then say three things that you're thankful for in that moment. Maybe keep that gratitude journal to, to write things down. Take the couple minutes before bed and just write, here's the things I'm thankful for today. And maybe when you're thinking about all the things you don't have or that went wrong, just, just ask yourself the question, what's one thing I wouldn't have changed about today? And then be thankful for that. But in all things, and this is most important, everything could be taken away from you. Everything could be different than what you've planned. But remember your salvation in Jesus. And just be thankful for that. Nothing can ever take that away from you. And have joy in that. So I'm going to give us one last chance to say this from memory. All three verses. All right, so take one final look. We're going to do it together. All right, let's see if we have this memorized. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good. Pretty good. We said that in here. God's will for you is to go live it out there. Go live it out there. Let's close in prayer today. So, Lord, we thank you for this simple but yet direct and and challenging message today from your word. And I just pray that we would be people who exemplify this, especially in this season. As many of us are going to be with families and friends in in the next uh, couple of weeks as we celebrate Thanksgiving, may we just be a testimony to you wherever we're at because of our our gratitude, because of the joy that we have in our lives from all of what you've done. And God, I pray it's not just something we do in the next week or two, but this becomes our lifestyle. People who are just continuously grateful for all you've done. Because we know, God, this this first and foremost is is your will in our lives. Before anything else, God, that, that we be people who rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So God, I just pray that for us, that that we would be disciplined in this, that we'd put our work and our effort towards that, and that we would grow in that, that that we'd become more grateful over time, because it's what we're working towards. But in all things, God, I pray that we become most thankful for the things that we couldn't do ourselves, and that's, that's salvation in you. That's that you giving us the gift of eternal life. And so I pray for anyone here today, who doesn't have that, who doesn't have that faith and that hope and that trust in you, God, that they would come to this point of knowing that they have sin in their life, that they cannot forgive themselves, that they cannot work off themselves, that they'd come to you with it. And they would just simply admit their sin before you, ask you for forgiveness, trust in what you've done on the cross to forgive those sins, and then follow you from this day forward. God, we know anyone who who makes that confession and makes that decision is a child of yours. So I pray for for those who have made that decision today, those who have made that decision in the past, that you would strengthen us in that, that we could grow uh, every day, that we'd be made more and more like you in all things, that you'd be glorified in it. But for all of us, God, I do pray in the the coming uh, couple weeks that we would just be more grateful than we've ever been and that we take the time to really see this and to appreciate all you've done in our lives, and that you receive all the praise and all the glory for that. And pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.